1 Samuel chapter number 27. Tonight will sort of be a, I think it'll be sort of a shotgun message. You say, what is a shotgun message? Well, that sort of spreads out. And so I think it'll sort of be a, an outline that I'm going to lay out. And I may come back and, and preach, uh, expound upon it a little bit further, maybe Wednesday or in the coming days. But, of course, a couple weeks ago we dealt with David a little bit. And uh, I've sort of had him on my heart the last little bit. And we're going to look at a couple things here at 1 Samuel chapter number 27. And this may just consider this an introductory uh, message, I guess you could say. And uh, maybe some, a series of messages on David as we move forward. I have no idea, but I know this. This is where the Lord has centered our heart for the hour and for tonight. I hope it will be a help and a blessing to you. You know, you study the life of David. David was a man, as far as I know, the only one found in the Bible, man after God's own heart. And God used him mightily. But now think about this. David and Peter both ought to encourage us because both of them miserably failed after they got saved. Both of them did. Yet God didn't throw them away. God still used them. That ought to encourage us, man. Now, that just shouldn't give us a license to sin because of the grace of God. That's dangerous, by the way, doing that stuff. But just know this. God is God of the second chance, third chance, fourth chance. And that doesn't give us an excuse to make those mistakes. But I'm glad God is a forgiving God. Boy, we'd all be in trouble if that wasn't a fact and that wasn't, a, that wasn't the truth. But tonight, out of 1 Samuel chapter number 27... I'm going to read a few verses tonight. If you found your place, if you could stand with us in honor and reverence to the reading of the Word of God. A few verses that I'll read, and I'm pretty sure I read this the other night as well. Totally different message, but notice what the Bible said here in 1 Samuel 27 and verse number 1. And keep in mind, Saul was alive at this time. He's been after David, and David's been anointed, and he's been anointed at this particular time by, by Samuel. Uh, there in his father's house, he's been anointed king of Israel, although it's not realized and fulfilled just yet. And Saul was still on the throne, but he sees David as that great threat, and he's been after him. And the Bible said in 1 Samuel chapter 27, verse 1, And David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines. And Saul shall despair of me to seek me any more in any coast of Israel." So shall I escape out of his hand. And David arose, and he passed over with the six hundred men that were with him unto Achish, the son of Maok, king of Gath. And David dwelt with Achish at Gath, he and his men, every man with his household, even David, with his two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the Carmelitess, Nabal's wife. And it was told Saul that David was fled to Gath, and he sought no more again for him. And David said unto Achish, If I have now found grace in thine eyes, let them give me a place in some town in the country that I may dwell there. For why should thy servant dwell in the royal city with thee? Then Achish gave him Ziklag that day. Wherefore Ziklag pertaineth unto the kings of Judah unto this day. Now verse 7 said, In the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was a full year and Four months. So let's pray. Fathers who bow in your presence, God, again tonight. Lord, we're reminded of the songs of our choir just a moment ago, how, how good you are and how thankful we should be, Lord, for all that you've done for us. And Lord, I just want to thank you one more time for saving this old wretch. I thank you for the good word of God. Glad that it's holy, undefiled, and without error. Lord, I'm glad that we can uh, hear some fresh news and, and get a fresh touch from another world through the pages of your word. I pray that you'd help this feeble preacher now to decrease it. Jesus may be increased and lifted up. Save that sinner that's near as hell. Help the saints of God. And Lord, we'll be careful to give you thanks and praise praise for all you do. Have preeminence now, for we ask it all in Jesus' name, and all God's people say in, 
Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated here out of 1 Samuel 27. And we read these first seven verses as we've looked at already a couple weeks ago, talking about David and thinking about the life of David. And I'll get to the text in just a moment. But when you think about David, I want you to get these, these this introductory uh, shotgun. It's going to scatter a little bit right here. But I want you to think for just a moment about if you could break down David's life. I mean, there's three words that we could break it down to three areas, three timelines. We would think about his adolescent years. We would think about his adult years. And we would think about his ancient years or his senior years. But just for the sake of all of them, starting with A, that's what the Lord gave me. When you think about his adolescent years early on, you'll see him. We know several facts from the Word of God about David. And just get this by way of introduction. We think about his adolescent years. We could say that he was watching Brother Kevin as a shepherd. Out on the hillside, he was tending the sheep of his father. Jesse, you remember that? That lion came and, and that bear came against him. And by the hand of the Lord and by the strength of the Lord, that's what David said when he was talking unto Saul about going down and facing Goliath. David had a reflection. He was reminded that God was the one that had gave him strength to overtake that lion and that bear. And we see that unfolding. And you think about his adolescent years, it could be characterized as him watching over the sheep. And God would use that preparation time very early on in his life, Brother Brandon, for him to be a shepherd over Israel. So we could say his adolescent years certainly was a, a time of watching, but it was also a time of warring as a soldier. He was still a young man when he faced Goliath for 40 days and 40 nights. Oh, Goliath, that giant stood up and, and he came down into the valley. He couldn't cross the bloodline. I remember preaching that medicine. It'd be worth hitting again tonight. Why didn't Goliath come over? He couldn't cross the bloodline. I'm glad the enemy can't cross the bloodline of the Lord Jesus Christ tonight either. But you think about 40 days and 40 nights. You study the history also of Saul. The Bible said that Saul stood head and shoulders over all the men of Israel. So he wasn't just a little old midget by any means. He was bigger than anybody in Israel, Brother Howard. But he was afraid to go up against Goliath. A boy about a 17-year-old boy. Don't tell me that God can't use a young man or a young woman. Somebody that's sold out for God. Somebody that's already been prepared by watching those sheep in his adolescent years. He became a soldier. You'll remember Saul put that coat of mail on him and, and, and armed him with a sword. He said, man, he is saved to go. It's what the Bible said. He said, I've not proved them. But boy, he went with what he knew would work. He put five smooth stones out of the brook and he took that, that script and that shepherd's bag and that sling and, and he went with what he knew would work. And there's a message in that right there too. We ought to stick with what works. There's a lot of folks wanting to change to do this and to do that. Thank God for old time worship, old time preaching, old time living for God. Thank God we ought to stick with what works. But you think about him, certainly his adolescent years, you could say, well, he was watching as a shepherd. He was warring as a soldier. When he faced Goliath, we know the end of the story. And we know that if you looked at that, the odds were against him. But he was in the majority because God was on his side. And we see him coming out victorious. So we could say his adolescent years could be summed up as watching as a shepherd, as warring as a soldier, but also waiting for the sovereign Lord, for his plan to unfold. 
Even as a young man, Brother Brandon, David didn't know what God was going to do in his life. We understand by the Scripture he was a man after God's own heart. But he was waiting for the plan of God to unfold. How many times did he have the opportunity, Brother Travis, to go in and to kill Saul? But he would not touch the Lord's anointed. He didn't want to get in front of the will of God. And boy, that's something you and I need to wait on. I think about sometimes uh, the providential hand of God. What is he doing? Sometimes you can't figure God out. God hadn't, I don't think God's asked us to figure him out he has asked us to trust him though he sure has there's some there's secret things belonging to the lord we think about romans 8 28 we know that all things work together for good to them that love god to them who are the called according to his purpose his purpose was unfolding and david as an adolescent as a youth yes he was watching as a shepherd he was warring as a soldier but he was waiting on the sovereign lord for his plan to unfold. Sometimes if we're not careful, we'll run ahead of God or we'll lag behind God. Now God doesn't want us to run ahead, you'll get in trouble. And he don't want us to lag behind and we'll get in trouble. We ought to be right where God wants us to be. And sometimes waiting is hard. Just ask Christy. I, I mean, uh, we was talking about today, we went and they wouldn't wait. We went and eat lunch and I couldn't believe it. And I told her, I said, well, you know, I'm just so patient. Yeah, and she's like, yeah, right. I mean, patience is not one of my greatest virtues. I've learned some of that through the years. But if you look in the English dictionary under patience, you're not going to see my picture there. But understand, sometimes we have to wait on the Lord. But I believe you could characterize David's adolescent years by his watching and his warring and then his waiting. But then his adult years, and that's what's characterized here in 1 Samuel 27, would be his, his adult years. We could say this about his adult years. He spent part of that running. Running from what, preacher? Running from Saul. We see him going down here in chapter number 27 of 1 Samuel, down into the land of the Philistines, which if you know anything about the Bible, anything about God, the Philistines were the enemies of God's people. We see that through the book of Judges and all that. But understand, he went down in to enemy territory, but that was part of his early adult life. And we could say, yeah, he spent a, 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 a vast amount of time running from Saul. But not only was he running, we could say this, that during his adult years, he was ruling. He started ruling in Hebron and then eventually for about seven years. And then eventually he went on unto Jerusalem where he ruled for 40 years. And we see that unfolding. That was part of his adult life. So you could say he was running from Saul. He was ruling, but he was also robbing. You say, what was he robbing? Well, that was part of his adult life. If you remember in 2 Samuel chapter 11, the Bible said there's a time when kings go forth to battle, but David made a fatal mistake. He tarried still at Jerusalem. Boy, I tell you, the idle ground is the devil's playground. That's not Bible, but there's great principles there that we can understand. He should have been on the battlefield. That's where a king should have been, but he tarried. And that's where he saw Bathsheba from the housetop. Man, you get on the sideline, <laughs> that's dangerous ground. And that's where David was. Well, what he robbed? He robbed Uriah of his wife and eventually his own life. Now get that. He robbed Uriah of Bathsheba. Uriah was committed totally, committed to the Lord and totally committed unto David. And he even carried the own death sentence out there to the battlefield. And there he was killed, basically murdered. That's what happened to him. And it was all a plot. And boy, David thought nobody knew about it. Boy, God did. But God proved his love for him because in 2 Samuel chapter number 12, probably about a year, it's a little over a year had elapsed because that baby was already born. That was born out of, out of wedlock. 
working out that adulterous relationship between David and Bathsheba. And as a result of David seeing God struck down that little old child there in 2 Samuel chapter number 12. But God sent a man, a man of God by the name of Nathan, to let him know that he had sinned. And he told him, Thou art the man. Boy, I'm glad. Hey, there's times you and I may step out on the Lord. But I'm thankful for the Word of God. I'm thankful for the man of God that will preach the Scriptures unto us. And it will confront us right where we're. Thank God the Word of God will comfort you. It will clean you. It will change you. It will convict you if you'll let it. Amen. It sure will. But we see he's robbing. But we also think about David's life, his adult life. We could say, yeah, he was running from Saul. He was ruling. He started in Hebron, then ended up in Jerusalem. He he spent part of that robbing Uriah of his wife and also his life. But then we could say David's adult life was, was a time of reviving. Psalm 51, boy, thank God for Psalm 51. I believe right after that, David was confronted in his sin. He cried out, Psalm 51, in verse number 12, he said, Lord, and, and he was talking upward, he said, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. That's good to know, once you get saved, you can't lose your salvation. We are kept and protected by God. I wish the Pentecostal crowd could figure that out, man. We ain't holding on to Jesus. He's holding on to us. Our grip may slip, but God's grip won't never slip. Thank God. We're kept and protected. We can't lose our salvation, but we can lose our joy. And David said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. You know how he lost his joy? Because of sin. That's what sin will do. Sin will rob you of your joy. It'll it'll rob you of your spiritual vitality. And that's exactly what happened to him. But boy, he got revived and he got restored. And God used him mightily. Now understand, his sin was forgiven, but there was consequences to his actions. God told him the sword would never depart out of his house. David desired to build a house for the Lord, but God wouldn't let him build the house because he was a man with blood on his hands. So he let his son build that house. We think about his adolescent years. i got to move on. We think about uh, that was spent watching as a shepherd, warring as a soldier, and waiting for the sovereign Lord and his plan to unfold. But then we think about his adult years that's labeled here in 1 Samuel 27. We would say this is his adult years. He was running from Saul. He was ruling from Hebron and Jerusalem. He was robbing Uriah, his wife, and his life and then finally he was spent his adult years being revived of the Lord but then we think about his ancient years I'm talking about his latter days his his senior years you know that was a time of preparing well, what did he prepare he was preparing the temple that God wasn't going to let him build but he was going to get his son to build that temple now there was three things that were needed for that temple to be built number one they needed a financer number two they needed an architect Number three, they needed a builder. Well, David served two of those principles. He was the architect. He was the financer with the spoils of war. But Solomon was the builder. And Solomon built that thing. But David had prepared in his ancient days through the spoils of war to build that temple. So we think about his his ancient years was a time of preparing, but also preserving. Preserving what? Preserving the throne for his son Solomon to reign upon there. Remember, his brother was going to try to sneak in. There's a lot I could say about that, but I want to focus in on David. And and David certainly preserved the throne for Solomon. But think about this, the ancient days of David as well. Not only could it be described as preparing the temple with silver and gold and preserving the throne for Solomon, but pinning down the testimony. Pinning down the testimony of the Scripture. 
David penned a lot of the scripture that we have. Think about the Psalms that we have. The Psalms, I think about Psalm 37, verse 25, I give it off. But David made a reflection back over his life, Brother Travis, and this is what he said. He said, I've been young. And am now old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging brown. Now, wait a minute. Now, the Holy Spirit was a supernatural agent, and that's right. But the human author was none other than David, a man that had that had made that, that adolescent years. He, he was out on the fields, and certainly he thought about that lion and that bear as he was watching as a shepherd, as he was warring, as a soldier against Goliath. He reflected back, and he said, you know how I came through that? It was God when I was young, and now I'm old. I look back over a pattern in my life and all I can say is they're singing about God's been good boy God's been faithful his mercies are new every morning great is thy faith when David wasn't faithful God was hey when I ain't faithful God is boy that's something to be thankful for that's something to just get a hold of God and say Lord just want to say thank you but he pinned down the testimony and the scripture that helps us today now, a lot of folks don't believe, I don't know if anybody believes this or not. I've looked through commentaries. I don't see where anybody makes that comparison. But if you go to Psalm 61, up above Psalm 61, it is a Psalm of David. Now, that Psalm, I believe there's a great picture of Psalm 61 and 1 Samuel 27. You say, well, now, how do you get that? I want to show you something. In Psalm 61, in verse number 2, this is what the Bible said. And David said, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Now, I preached out of Psalm 61. I preached on that thought, man. It's where God puts you up on a place, and and the the imagery is crystal clear in Psalm 61. The waters are coming up, but David's on a rock that's higher than he is. God is sustaining him. God God is helping him. God is rescuing him. That's the picture of Psalm 61. He said, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. When my heart is overwhelmed, that's how it starts. Now, here's the fact. Every one of us, I'm going somewhere in just a second. And it ain't going to be long at all, but you just hang with me. There's times when every one of us is going to get overwhelmed. There's times when you and I may be overpowered. Yeah, man. Maybe times when we are overthrown. There may even be times when we, we are overgrown. Now, some of you are going to say, well, man, what are you talking about? Brother Evans talking about a while ago. He said, he said his coats were getting smaller. Yeah, we know what that is. I have the same problem. Hey, man. It's hard to button sometimes, but you know what? We, if we're not careful, we'll get overgrown. What are you talking about overgrown? I'm talking about in the humility department or in the pride department. Well, I want to show you something right here. In 1 Samuel 27, with that thought in mind, watch this now. The Bible said in 1 Samuel chapter 27 and verse number 5. Now, here is David. He's down in Gath. And think about this, he's in enemy territory. There'd be great influence down there. And he's been in the city, he's been in the royal city there with Achish. But David wants to get out, and I think there's several reasons why he wants to get out. And I think I shared that with you before. Number one, he wanted to get out of the influence of Gath. I mean, this would be a city, it would be the, it would be the cream of the crop of the day. The, the, the greatest industry, the, probably the most wickedness would be there within the city. So David said, man, i got to get out of here. That was reason number one. That's why he asked for that place in the country. And I'm still working on that message. Brother Hoyt, there's, there's a message coming on the country, boys. It just ain't got here yet, but it's coming. But do you think about this? He wanted to get out, to get away from that influence. But number two, I believe this, imagine David coming down. Remember, back in Israel, the women were singing this. Saul has killed his thousands, 
But David has killed his ten thousands. You know who some of those ten thousands were? Some of them were the Philistines. Now, when David's down in Gath, down in the land of the Philistines, no doubt they probably got their radar up, and they're probably watching every move that he makes. So that's another reason. Think about this, too. It would be easy to find David in the city there of Gath, more so than it would in the country had Saul chose to come down. Now, we know by the Word of God he sought no more after him once he went down in uh, to Gath and certainly went into the countryside. But look with me in verse 5. The Bible said, And David said unto Achish, If I have now found grace in thine eyes, watch this, let them give me a place in some town in the country that I may dwell there. For why should thy servant dwell in the royal city with thee. Again, David, I believe he graciously is talking to the king. He wants to get away from that influence. He wants to get, 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 get out there where Saul wouldn't know where he was because he's going to be in the countryside with these 600 men and their wives and, and their children, no doubt, are with them. And we see this. If I could preach on a thought, just, just a little bit of application message tonight, it'd be simply this, give me a place. That's what David said. Give me a place. You say, well, now, you said a minute ago that you thought Psalm 61 might be connected to 1 Samuel 27. I believe it is. Because David said over there in Psalm 61 and verse number 2, When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I believe David went down into the Philistines, down in that land. Why did he go? Because his heart was overwhelmed. There was a man that was following his every move. Everywhere he couldn't get any rest because of the threat of Saul constantly being after him. But boy, thank God, there's nothing our enemy can do until the Lord is done with us. You say there should have been numerous times where Saul could have captured and killed David. But miraculously, I mean the providential hand of God, Brother Harold, was on David's life. And boy, I'm glad we're kept and protected. Thank God there's nothing that can touch us that don't first go through the hand of God. Thank God for that hedge that the Lord puts around us. And did you understand, you better understand this, that you and I are immortal until God's done with us. Now God would like to kill us, or the devil would like to kill us. But we're immortal until God is done with us. And all these things were against David. His heart was overwhelmed. But here he goes down into Gath. And he requests and he asks the king for a place. For a place. I'll say this. Every one of us, some point or the other, we'll have a zigzag moment in our life where we're going to need a place. When our heart is overwhelmed. When we are overcome. When we are overpowered. When we're even overgrown, God will give us a place. We don't have to ask for that. God will give us one. If you don't believe that, just ask Jonah. Jonah sort of overgrown him. Said he, he didn't want to do what God wanted him to do, and he did it. But he had a wrong attitude, and God gave Well, before he did it, he went the other direction. God said, I want you to do this. He said, I ain't going to do it. He went the other way. He's too big for his britches. And, and God had prepared a special fish. Now, if you didn't have the New Testament, you, it's just as a great fish of Jonah. But over there in the New Testament, Jesus called it a whale. He sure did. And God prepared that thing because Jonah needed an attitude adjustment in the humility department. And you know what? When that old fish vomited him out on the the sand out there, I can't imagine what he looked like after all those gastric juices probably had dyed his hair if he had any left at all. 
He was probably white looking as he pops out. You know what? He was ready to go over there to Nineveh and preach. He didn't have a, a great long message, but he had God's message. But understand, God had a place prepared for him. And God will have a place prepared for us as well. But sometimes we can ask for that place. That's the application that I want you to see out of 1 Samuel chapter number 27. David asked the king. But I'm glad, Brother Howard, you and I don't have to go to the king of Achish. We can go to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And we can ask him for that place when our heart gets overwhelmed, when our heart gets again overpowered, when over, o- overcome by the cares and the affairs of life. God has got a ziklag for you and I, a place that's prepared in the country, away from everything. Thank God for a place like that. Think about this was a needed place. It was a necessary place. I'd say this a ziklag provided safety for David. Safety, security, strength. And even seasonal relief. You say, why do you say seasonal relief? Well, look at verse 7. The Bible said he dwelt there how long? A year, a full year, and four months. He wasn't there for ten years, but for a year and four months, God prepared a place for him. He asked for that place, and that's what God used at a time in his life when he was overwhelmed, when he was overcome, when he was overpowered. God had a place for him. You say, when a preacher, how does that apply to me? Well, I'll say this. You might say, preacher, I need, I, need, I need something there. I need something in my life. And I don't know where you are. And you may be doing okay right now, but this is how this thing works. You know how life works. You might be doing good today, but by tomorrow or by next week, you might not be doing so good, so you better put this message on credit. We put everything else on credit, so you better put this message on credit. There'll come a time when you're going to get overwhelmed. You're going to get overcome. You're going to get overpowered. And the Bible still said in James chapter 4 and verse number 2, you have not because you ask not. We don't have to suffer through this thing alone. Listen, we've got a place that God can prepare for us. It might be a seasonal relief. It might be a year. You might have to go through some things, maybe for a few days, maybe for a few weeks, maybe for a few years. But I believe every one of us will have a ziklag moment in our life. And that's what David was facing. And this is what he said, Lord, or he said, King Achish, give me a place. God will give us a place too. Maybe you're here tonight, Sister uh, uh, Caitlin's coming. Maybe you're overwhelmed with something. Maybe you're overpowered with something. Uh, maybe something you're dealing with, something's overcome you, you're overwhelmed, you don't know what to do. Listen, God's got a place for you. And maybe you're doing good right now. Again, you better hold on, honey, because there's going to come a day uh, when, when you're going to need God's help. And God's going to have a place for you. And it might be for a few days. It might be for a few months. It might be for a few years. But for David, his ziklag was a full year and four months. We think about his adolescent years. He was watching as a shepherd. He was warring as a soldier. He was waiting on the sovereign Lord, his adult life, you can say, man, he is running from Saul. And he certainly was doing that. He was ruling there in Hebron first, and then he went to Jerusalem. He robbed Uriah of his wife and his life. Then we see him reviving, restoring to me the joy of thy salvation. Boy, it's good to know, too, that when we make mistakes, God's not done with us. God wasn't done with, with David at all. But his adult life, he was preparing. All oh, that temple was silver and gold. He was preserving that throne for his son Solomon. But then finally we see him pinning down the testimony of Scripture that we have tonight. He went. Hello friends, this is Brian Pondexter, the pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church located at 2216 Hennings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry that's been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus at Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world. 
to equip the saints of God for service and to encourage the elderly and shut-ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school for all ages, and our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God. We meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service, and every second Sunday night of each month, we have what's called an eat and meet service. After our 6 p.m. service, we gather in the fellowship hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays, we meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again from God's holy word. Our ladies prepare a meal each Wednesday prior to our service from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. I give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times. Above all, you may be listening today, and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life. Too many folks prepare for vacation. They prepare for retirement. They seem to prepare for everything, but sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. The reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday. For the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You must understand that your good words, good works and good deeds will not get you to heaven. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible said, Therefore by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. You must understand that you're loved. I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16, it said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and verse 8 declares, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4, in verse number 12, they said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You might ask the question, Preacher, how can I be saved? That's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter 16, verse 30 and 31. He asked Paul and Silas, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Romans 10, 9 said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You must ask God to save you. I can't do it. No one can do it for you. Romans 10, 13 said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you know you're a sinner, and if you're sorry for your sin, and you believe Jesus died for your sins, you simply have to ask him to save you. And I say, Preacher, how can I know for sure God will hear me? But first of all, the Bible tells us that we must be drawn. John 6 and verse 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me 
except the Father which had sent me, draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Psalm 51 and verse 17 gives us the attitude we need to have when we come to God. It said there, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. If God draws you by conviction, if you're sorry for your sin, you repent of them. If you believe Jesus died for your sins, and if you asked him to save you, then the Bible declares you've been saved. If you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you've been forgiven of all your sins. Romans 8, 1 declares, There is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Once a person has been saved, they need to be a part of a fundamental Bible-believing church where they can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. God calls us out of darkness and commands us to walk in light after we've been saved by His marvelous grace. If we can help you here at Faith Community Baptist Church in any way, feel free to contact us. If you have asked God to save you, please contact us, and we will send you some free literature to help you in your newfound life in Christ. Thank you again for listening to our CD ministry that's been provided by our church here, and may God richly bless you and your family is our prayer.